what we have tonight, uh, in a little bit, we're going to have Mr. Larry Pombiango doing a sermon about Daniel 2. Uh, and we always want to read the text before we jump into it. Uh, Daniel 2, however, is extremely long. And so in order to make it slightly less, you know, century-long feeling, uh, we've gotten a couple people up here to uh, help read this in the hopes that it's a little more focusable. That's not a word. But if you're an attention deficit person like me, you're going to like this more than if I just droned on for a full five or ten minutes. So with that said, Daniel 2. In the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His mind was troubled, and he could not sleep. So the king summoned the magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers to help to tell him what he had dreamed. When they came in and stood before the king, he said to them, I have had a dream that troubles me, and I want to know what it means. Then the astrologers answered the king, May the king live forever. Tell your servants the dream, and we will interpret it. The king replied to the astrologers, This is what I have firmly decided. If you do not tell me what my dream was and interpret it, I will have you cut into pieces and your houses turned into piles of rubble. But if you tell me the dream and explain it, you will receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. So tell me the dream and interpret it for me. Once more, they replied, Let the king tell his servants the dream, and we will interpret it. Then the king answered, I am certain that you are trying to gain time, because you realize this is what I have firmly decided. If you do not tell me the dream, there is only one penalty for you. You have conspired to tell me misleading and wicked things, hoping the situation will change. So then, tell me the dream, And I will know that you can interpret it for me. The astrologers answered the king. There is no one on earth who can do what the king asks. No king, however great and mighty, has ever asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or astrologer. What the king asks is too difficult. No one can reveal it to the king except the gods, and they do not live among the humans. This made the king so angry and furious that he ordered the execution of all the wise men of Babylon. So the decree was issued to put the wise men to death, and men were sent to look for Daniel and his friends to put them to death. When Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, had gone out to put to death the wise men of Babylon, Daniel spoke to him with wisdom and tact. He asked the king's officer, Why did the king issue such a harsh decree? Arioch then explained the matter to Daniel. At this, Daniel went to the king and asked for time so that he might interpret the dream for him. Then Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. He urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery, so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. During the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven and said, Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. He changes times and seasons. He deposes kings and raises up others. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness and light dwells with him. I thank and praise you, God of my ancestors. You have given me wisdom and power. You have made known to me what we asked of you. You have made known to us the dream of the king. 
Then Daniel went to Arioch, whom the king had appointed to execute the wise men in Babylon, and said to him, Do not execute the wise men in Babylon. Take me to the king, and I will interpret his dream for him. Arioch took Daniel to the king at once and said, I have found a man among the exiles from Judah who can tell the king what his dream means. The king asked Daniel, also called Belteshazzar, Are you able to tell me what I saw in my dream and interpret it? Daniel replied, No wise man, enchanter, magician, or diviner can explain to the king the mystery he has asked about, but there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. He has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in days to come. Your dream and the visions that passed through your mind as you were lying in bed are these. As your majesty was lying there, your mind turned to things to come, and the revealer of mysteries showed you what is going to happen. As for me, this mystery has been revealed to me not because I have greater wisdom than anyone else alive, but so that your majesty may know the interpretation and that you may understand what went through your mind. Your majesty looked, and there before you stood a large statue, an enormous, dazzling statue, awesome in appearance. The head of the statue was made of pure gold, its chest and arms of silver, its belly and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of baked clay. While you were watching, a rock was cut out, but not by human hands. It struck the statue on its feet of iron and clay and smashed them. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold were all broken to pieces and became like chaff on a threshing floor in the summer. The wind swept them away without leaving a trace. But the rock that struck the statue became a huge mountain and filled the whole earth. This was the dream, and now we will interpret it to the king. Your majesty, you are the king of kings. The God of heaven has given you dominion and power and might and glory. In your hands he has placed all mankind and the beasts of the field and the birds of the sky. Wherever they live, he has made you ruler over them all. You are that head of gold. After you, another kingdom will arise, inferior to yours. Next, a third kingdom, one of bronze, will rule over the whole earth. Finally, there will be a fourth kingdom, strong as iron, for iron breaks and smashes everything. And as iron breaks things to pieces, so it will crush and break all the others. Just as you saw that the feet and toes were partly of baked clay and partly of iron, so this will be a divided kingdom. Yet it will have some of the strength of iron in it, even as you saw iron mixed with clay. As the toes were partly iron and partly clay, so this kingdom will be partly strong and partly brittle. And just as you saw the iron mixed with baked clay, so the people will be a mixture and will not remain united any more than iron mixes with clay. In the time of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, nor will it be left to another people. It will crush all those kingdoms and bring them to an end, but it will itself endure forever. This is the meaning of the vision of the rock cut out of a mountain, but not by human hands. A rock that broke the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold to pieces. The great God has shown the king what will take place in the future. The dream is true, and its interpretation is trustworthy. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell prostrate before Daniel and paid him honor and ordered that an offering and incense be presented to him The king said to Daniel, Surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, for you were able to to reveal this mystery. Then the king placed Daniel in a high position and lavished many gifts on him. He made him ruler over the entire province of Babylon and placed him in charge of all its wise men. Moreover, at Daniel's request, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego administrators over the province of Babylon, while Daniel himself remained at the royal court. All right. Daniel 2. 
instead of me going to do like break down the whole chapter and give an interpretation of what the end time stuff implication of the dream and the theological treatise on the image and all that kind of stuff what mike asked me to do was to talk about the principle that's very strong in this chapter and that is how god uses dreams in people's lives now that may sound like a strange topic to speak about in church i got to tell you I've been, you, you would think charismatic churches kind of bent that way. I got to tell you, I've been to, lo- I've been to a lot of charismatic churches. I've, I don't, can't tell you when I've heard a, a message about how dreams work in believers' lives. But today, we're going to do it. And, uh, and I, particularly being a pastor and also being a counselor and a Christian therapist, uh, I've used dreams a lot. People get dreams, they come and say, hey, man, I had this weird, freaky dream about a banana and Godzilla and a lowrider car and a movie theater full of, of, of monkeys, and I was surfing at the time while I was watching the movie. I don't know what, what that means. And I go, oh, good, man. I think since it's bizarre like that, it's going to be a good one, you know? <coughs> and uh, so... I think dreams are important, and we're going to talk about dreams, how God uses dreams in believers' lives. Obviously, Daniel 2, Nebuchadnezzar is not a believer, but I think the principles are there. What I'm going to go over is the principles in Daniel 2. I'm just going to pick like four or five principles so we get familiar with the fact that <coughs> excuse me, God speaks to us in dreams. Okay, one thing that has to be very, very clear. Dreams cannot replace this. You can't replace the Bible. The Bible is the main deal. Uh, I should know this. First or Second Timothy 3.16 says, Scripture is you, God breathed, good for rebuking, for reproofing, for correction, for uh, all kinds of things to build your life on. This book is what God uses. So dreams and all the other stuff that goes with it is not what you build your life on. It's this book, and it's our relationship with Christ. But God uses other things sometimes to come alongside of us. I, I liken it to the sidecar on a motorcycle. Now, the main deal is when you got a nice Harley or a 1948 Indian panhand motorcycle, I mean, who cares about the sidecar? It's the motorcycle. But it's pretty cool to ride in, in, in the sidecar. If you get a chance, you want to ride the motorcycle. You don't want to ride in the sidecar. That's kind of like what dreams are. It's a sidecar to help you grow in your faith. And God gives dreams. He speaks to me a lot in dreams. And we're going to go over why dreams. And the principles are right here in Daniel 2. You're not going to find any teaching in the New Testament that talks about dreams. There is no New Testament teaching about dreams. But the Old Testament is full of stuff about dreams. So is it okay that we take the whole Bible? I think we should take the whole Bible, huh? And what's mentioned in the Old Testament is principles that we can use even in the New Testament. And the, the verse that I like to use is Joel 2.27. I'm going to put it up there. And this is, this is what, this is refers to the New Testament times. It says, and afterwards I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. So what he's saying here is one of the characteristics of, one of the, characteristics of the work of the Holy Spirit in New Testament times 
is dreaming dreams. Now, it says old men dream dreams, so that just doesn't mean like guys like me and Mike only get to dream. It's the, the principle is good for everybody. And so, to me, this is a good principle, a good verse that refers to a work of the Holy Spirit and giving us dreams. Um, so let me just set this up real quick. I'm doing the setup now. I'm just doing this, finish the setup here. Daniel 2 has got some principles about how dreams work. And a lot of the principles that you'll find in, 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 in helping figure out what God's trying to say to you, I'm, I'm a little hesitant to use the word dream interpretation because it has so much new age um, connotation. And new age stuff's no good. Okay, but finding out what God is saying to you through a dream, I like that better. Because dreams are used, God wants to communicate with you. Okay, so a lot of the principles you'll find are in 1 Corinthians 14. 1 Corinthians 14 is the premier chapter in the New Testament that tells you how prophecy, the gift of prophecy, is to work in the church. It gives the layout. It gives what, what should happen. What should be the result with a person? So can you put uh, 1 Corinthians? So it says, there we go. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. The main thing, when somebody comes to you and says, God's given me a word for you. That's how charismatic, prophetic people do it. I'm one of those. I said, God's given me a word for you. Okay? If it falls in any other category other than you feeling strengthened, encouraged, and comforted in your faith, you got to question it. Right there, it's giving the layout. In strengthening, encouraging, comfort. So somebody comes to you, uh, I'll pick on somebody I know. So somebody comes to John over here and he goes, God told me that you're going to die tomorrow and there's no getting it out of it. Even if you repent, you'll still die. You got you feel strengthened when that happens, John? Now somebody like me, I'm ready to go be with Jesus right now, so I might take that one. All right? I'm ready to jump off the globe and go be with Jesus. So if somebody came to me and said that, I might consider that for a second. But probably not. Probably not. Because they're breaking the protocol for prophetic message, which is to strengthen, encourage, and comfort people. Let me tell you real quick, just one total side note. No, I'm not going to do that. All right. And then it says, but if an unbeliever or an inquirer comes in, because I can go off on all kind of bunny trails. This is one of my favorite topics. In, uh, if an acquirer comes in, everyone is prophesying. They are convicted of sin and brought under judgment by all. As the secrets of their hearts are laid bare, so they will fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is really among you. Here's what happens. Here's the fruit. you got to test stuff that comes from the Lord by the fruit. The fruit in that guy's life is he falls down. That means he repents. He's humbled by God. He worships God and exclaims, God's really among you. He acknowledges this whole thing is of God. That should be the fruit if somebody has a prophetic word for you. Same thing for dreams, and you're going to see that's what happened in Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, it should bring us to a humbled place. It should bring us to a place of acknowledging God, not the guy that interpreted the dream for you. And it should uh, make you understand that God is really here. Okay, so that's the principle. If you get anything else out, like if you get like, oh, man, that dude was awesome, man. Dude, man, I want to go hang out with that guy. I want to be with that guy. That guy, he's a real dude. He's the dream interpreter. Let's go be with that guy. If people are drawn to you, it's not working. 
That's not the fruit you want to see. People are drawn to Jesus. That's how you know that gift is working. The same for interpreting dreams. So let me just say one more thing before we get into the Daniel 2 thing. In my experience, there's a few purposes for um, dreams. The first dream, first purpose is that God wants to give you a message. Yeah, I'm going to tell you the first dream I ever had as a new believer, as a believer. Okay, I really like the Beatles. Beatles are like my all-time favorite group, other than instrumental surf music from the 60s and the 90s. I love it. I love it. Beatles, though, you know, how can you beat John, Paul, George, and Ringo? You know what I'm saying? All right. So I was a wrestler in high school and college, and so I busted my knee. I got out of wrestling, but I helped my coach take a wrestling team to a wrestling tournament in San Luis Obispo, California. So we go there. One of the guys on the team is a kid I grew up with going to Sunday school. His dad was my Sunday school teacher. But this guy had left the faith. He was like tweaking, and he was doing all kind of stuff. So he comes up to me at the end of the tournament, and he goes like this. Dude, man, all right. I'm going to go get us some good stuff. Seeds, stems, you know, the whole thing. You know, I'm a bunny from the suburbs. I don't know what that stuff is. But I had, and I had just come back to the Lord and I had a dramatic experience. So I said, man, I'm in not because here's my thinking. I'm going to show all the rest of the guys on the team that Christians can do stuff and you don't have to be legalistic. We, we're not that worldly. We're, we can have fun too. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to smoke a joint with this guy. So he goes and gets the stuff. And so we go in the shower. He rolls it up. It's got seeds and stem. I don't even know what that means, honestly. I don't even, I, I, I just assumed that means it was good stuff. So we go in there, and, you know, we burned it like a Bob Marty thing, you know, down like that. I mean, I inhaled it like it was going out of style. And so, so then we just did that, and all the guys are watching us. And I just got done preaching the gospel to all these guys sharing about Jesus and repenting and stuff, and I'm blowing a joint, you know. So I went to sleep. Uh, I, I had to sleep on the floor because there was no, uh, it wasn't a bed for me. So I'm sleeping, and while I'm sleeping, I start hallucinating. But in the hallucination, a dream comes to me. And in the dream, what came to me was, uh, I mean, I like yellow submarine. So the big yellow balloon comes out, you know, and... Uh, and uh, these big old yellow submarine letters were, Jesus, stop here. And I'm like, and all of a sudden I wake up and I go, Ugh. and I knew what that meant. I knew Jesus was telling me, you can't do that and follow me. Blowing, blowing the joint in front of your friends or just doing it in period. That, those two getting high, they don't mix with me. And I don't want you doing that anymore. And I said, yes, sir. That's the last I did. The hallucination went away, the whole thing. I, can't, I wasn't high anymore, and I slept. That was the first dream. God gave me a message there. Um, a lot of times dreams are working through pain and emotional stuff. Sometimes dreams about warning you about things. When I had my old youth ministry at Tuesday night at your mom's, uh, we had the big skateboard ramp and everything. God gave me several dreams warning me what witches were doing to us. He let me in on the gig. He showed me what was happening to us and warning me, don't do that, do this. Because if you go this way, you're in trouble. If you do this, I'll give you victory over what's being cast on you. So sometimes God warns you. Sometimes dreams, God will tell you something's going to happen in the future. Now that kind of stuff really has to be tested well. You just can't have some guy go, yes, and in... March of 2014, God will come down and touch the dome 
of the state capitol building and it will turn purple. Jimi Hendrix will come back alive and he will get saved. And that will be a sign to you a move of God is going to come. <laughs> you know, he was probably smoking what I was smoking back in the shower, you know. You got to really test that stuff out. But there is a function of God being able to tell you about stuff's going to come. When the 9-11 thing happened, when the Columbine thing happened, there were many, many dreams people had to warn them, and a lot of people didn't act on it. So it can, it can happen. God can give you a message to give to somebody else. The Lord gave me one the other day for some friends of mine that have gone through a lot of trouble. And God gave me a dream about going up a staircase, and they're on the landing, and then they're getting ready to go up the other one. So they're on their way up and out of the suffering. And in the dream, I was putting cement on each step. And that was for me to let them know that God knew that they had come partway out and that they had solidified their steps and that they were on a landing there in a stopping place. And then eventually they'll be able to go back up. And um, there was more to it than that. So I sent it to them. And they're really good friends of mine. They wrote me back in these larger letters. And they're not necessarily like charismatic people, you know. But they wrote me back in the letter and said, man, that's exactly what's going on with us. Thank you for giving us because our heart's comforted knowing that God's got our back and we got a good future ahead of us. So thank you, Lord. There was good fruit that came out of that. Um, here's the one that probably a bit harder to understand. Sometimes your dream is intercessory prayer. Now, here's what I mean by that. There's a difference between just having prayer, you know, we're praying for this and that. But then intercessory prayers where you kick into another phase and you have an immediacy about what you're praying about. And there's an immediacy and there's power and authority that you don't normally get. That's intercessory prayer. Sometimes your dream is God is interacting you. Because, you know, when, you, when you're, when you're um, asleep, all your filters and your guards are down. And your spirit can be active. God can be interacting with you. And he'll give you a dream. And you wake up and you go, what the heck was that? I felt like I got run over by a truck because you have so much energy going into this. Because God has come to you. No, he's not out there. He lives in us. But he has come to you to, um, to engage with you. And the dream is an expression of the prayer. It's the Romans 8 thing where it says, The Spirit searches the mind of Christ, but all you get to experience is no words. You just get groans, sounds. Something's rumbling around in you, but you can't put any words to it. That's intercessory prayer. And lastly, it's to get to know God in a way that you can't get to know serious, um, you know, in, 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 when you're awake. God is really an artist. And a lot of times dreams is God as an artist painting a picture in your mind, in your heart. And, if, and more than just getting the dream, you know, I look at, I, I look at some, all this artwork. I look at all this artwork and I go, wow. You just look at this picture over here. Well, I've got the uh, 30, 100, you know, light bulb. You know, I, I think about who painted that. Tells me something about that guy. That's what a dream does. A dream tells you something about God. He's the, he is the ultimate artist. He's the art, he is art. And he paints himself sometimes in a dream. And a lot of times when you walk away with a dream, and that's what happened in Nebuchadnezzar, you walk away with an impression. Wow, I just got to see a side of God that I haven't been able to see before. So now what we're going to do, so those are some of the purposes that I found uh, are important uh, that happen in dreams. Okay, so here's, the, here's out of Daniel 2 now. 
So I just don't want you to think I'm up here babbling about stuff that's important to me. I want to get to the Word so we can see this in the Word for itself. So um, one of the first principles that dreams do, it causes us to need other people. What happened to Nebuchadnezzar? In the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His mind was troubled, and he could not sleep. So the king summoned magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, astrologers. He went and got somebody else to help him. When you have a dream, especially when it's meaningful to you, you just know, I can't figure this out for myself. I need somebody. I need somebody else. Isn't that, isn't that really wise of God to give you something you can't handle in your own business? You just can't handle it. You got to go get somebody else. <clears throat> Usually my wife and my children, and I have a few good friends, Ben Mercer's helped me with some of my dreams. <clears throat> I seem to get a lot of dreams. But it, it, it causes us to need other people. One of the pictures God has given us in the New Testament about the church is we're a body. So, you know, guess what? My thumb needs my hand. My hand needs my forearm. My forearm needs my bicep. My bicep needs the thorax. Thorax needs... That's a special word. Thorax. I haven't said that in a long time. You know? <laughs> Is that right? Thorax, right? That'd be a great name for a band. Thorax playing tonight. You know, and it's all connected. We need others. And the principle I shared this morning is when Lazarus was in the grave, here's what happened. Now, I kind of like this. This is a little, maybe a little cheesy, but I really like this. Um, I can't do it like I did this morning, but, you know, Jesus called Lazarus out of the grave. And I heard somebody say one time, good thing he said Lazarus come forth, because if he wouldn't specific, the whole graveyard would have unloaded, you know. And so uh, who knows if that was true or not, but I kind of like that. You know, but he says, Lazarus, come out. Lazarus comes out. But most people don't read that he came out dressed in his grave clothes. So what he does is he turns around to all of his friends and family and says, no, you guys take the grave clothes off. We need others. Even Jesus wouldn't take the grave clothes off. He could have gone like, off. You know, they would have come flying off. He didn't do it. He said, you guys do it. We need others. And when you get a dream, you just need to get other people. Now, I want to do something here. Do the Leviticus and Second Chronicles thing. We have to be careful who we use to help us with this stuff. Dreams are already dicey in themselves because they can be made to, to say anything. You know, you can get a dream. Somebody come and say, uh, I'll pick on Mike. Somebody can come up and say, Mike, God gave me a dream today. And he said, I don't have to submit to you. <laughs> Mike said, well, I don't, I don't really care. I know what Mike would say. Well, well okay, that's fine. Uh, can we talk about this? But you know what? Scripture says you need to submit to your leaders. Not like dictatorially, but he, you know, or somebody comes up to you and uh, and says, "I had a dream last night, and God told me I'm supposed to marry you." <laughs> it's happened, believe me. I'd say, "Well, he didn't tell me, so you know." It's like if you didn't tell me, why would I believe you? So you got to be careful. And one of the warnings I feel like Scripture is very clear. Is, is what these two verses say. It says, Do not turn to mediums or seek out spiritists, for the Lord, you will be defiled by them. 
and I am the Lord your God. He sacrificed, and then another one says, he sacrificed his children in the, in the fire in the valley of Ben-Hinnom, practiced divination and witchcraft, sought omens and consulted mediums and spiritists. He did much evil in the eyes of the Lord, arousing God's anger. So here's the thing, is that in our culture, in America, especially Denver, the Denver-Boulder area, consulting occult people, for this kind of stuff is very popular. You would not believe how many Christians I've talked to. They get a dream or they're seeking di- uh, direction in their life. They go to these kind of people. I've had to do all kinds of prayer with people who said, oh, you know what? Uh, I, uh, one young lady in my youth group a few years ago came to me after I shared about this kind of stuff. She goes, man, I need your help. I need your help. So why? She said, every time when I look in the mirror, somebody's standing behind me. She's like junior high. She's a pastor's daughter. I said, well, where do you think it came from? Well, I did a Ouija board. Oh, okay. So I grabbed my, and another girl did the same thing. I gra- These are Christian girls. I grabbed my assistant, who's a woman. We went down to my office, and we kicked. Both of them had spirits in their lives because they were involved in occult activity after they became a Christian. And we kicked them out. It freaked the girls out. They never had anything happen like that. I was the new guy on the block again. But here were these two girls. They decided to consult Ouija boards for direction in their life. I can't tell you, I cannot begin to emphasize how dangerous it is for a Christian to go to these kind of people and these kind of places to seek help. The main reason is, is what, the, and, this, and this is what Nebuchadnezzar did. He got together magicians. Oh, man, we would just, like, freak out here. Oh, what's wrong with magicians? Oh, magicians, they're just doing tricks. I'm just reading the book. Magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, astrologers. Astrologers. You mean read your uh, astrology column for the day? Yeah. How about palm reading? How about psychics? That's what he's talking about. That's all this guy had at the time. But scripture like these two, this is just a sample of a ton of Old Testament scriptures that says don't go to these things. Here's the main reason why, folks, is when you do, these guys are run by demons. I'm not kidding. I have had 30-something years of experience dealing with Christians who were involved in this stuff in their past, they get saved and they drag that with them because those doors got to be closed. You just can't like, it's not like, okay, I got cancer, so I'll take an aspirin, you know. You know, if you have cancer, you got to be treated specifically. And so what happens is that you open a door in your life to demonic access. It doesn't mean you're demon-possessed. Don't go home and say, Larry said I'm demon-possessed. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that you can have demonic access to your life. And what has to happen then is that you need prayer to kick them out, to bust them out of there. I've got, I've had guys that were masons. I'm praying over them and they, they almost ran out of my house because they said the thing that's been following me for 30 something years was telling me to not to believe you. And finally he stayed and long enough we booted the thing out. And he said, I've been free ever since. That's what happens. That's why these magicians said they recognize the only one that can reveal this, that's what they're used to, is the gods. They were connecting to gods. There is a structure in heaven in in that world. There's a structure on earth. It's not that we have to be scared of it. It's just we have to be wise. 
So when we go to people like this, or people are... I've had Christians use this kind of stuff on me before I could catch it. It took me three days to get over it. And I guess I'm belaboring this point because I see for younger generations, 40-year-olds on down, there is like this, oh, we don't want to be legalistic. Or we don't want to be religious. We should just want to be able to do whatever we want to do with no consequences. Don't give me your Christian rules. Well, some of them are meant to keep you safe. That's why it's in there. So, now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not mad. I'm just intense. <laughs> I, ha- I have a t-shirt my kids from my last youth group put on. I had to explain to them when I'm talking about this stuff. I'm not mad. I Actually, I do get mad when I see Christians cheated. But what I am is I'm actually intense. And so they gave me a t-shirt. I'm not mad. I'm just intense. <laughs> and, I, and I wore it out. It's at home. I wore the thing out because I loved it so much. So... Go to somebody you know can handle it, mature, and can has this skill. Okay, but it causes us to need other people. The second thing is in verse 27 and 28, Daniel signs up to do this. But what is the first thing he did was he went to God. He went to God. Can you put Isaiah 54, 50 verse 4 up there? He went to God and he listened to God. He gave God credit for it. And he said, I can't do it. I don't have the skill. But I know who does. And this verse, I think, is really, really important in this line. Is we go to God and we listen to what God is saying. That's what a dream is for. God's trying to communicate to you. And what we have to do, if you go to somebody to help you, that person should be praying, God, what do you want me to say? What are you saying to this person? And second of all, give God credit. Give God glory for he's the only one that can interpret. This verse is about Jesus. It's a prophecy about Jesus in Isaiah. It says, the sovereign Lord has given me a well-instructed tongue to know the word that sustains the weary. He wakens me morning by morning, wakens my ear to listen like one being instructed. So Jesus said, even when he was a man, when he woke up every day, God, his father, would waken up his spiritual ears to learn how to listen. And then he would give, uh, he had a well-instructed tongue to know how to give a word to sustain people who are in trouble. Dream interpretation is, is about listening to God, and that's what Daniel did. And he gives God credit for that in, uh, later on. And so part of that's why we got to know God's voice. First place you start to know God's voice is in the book here. If you got the book here and get well-trained and you have a living relationship with the living God in this book, then his voice in you, uh, John 10, my sheep know my voice. It's, it's fun and it's gratifying. And it's glorifying to God. So the second thing is, is you go to God and listen and give him credit. Third thing is in that picture uh, that God gave to uh, Nebuchadnezzar, there were all kinds of things going on in that figure. There were symbols, there were pictures, there were themes, there were figures, colors, all kinds of stuff. A lot of times when you find a dream, God will sometimes give you specifically because you're made a certain way. He knows how to communicate that's meaningful to you. You know, when God wants to communicate to me, a lot of times what he puts in my dreams is classic cars. I grew up in LA in the fifties and sixties. I love a 1963 Chevy Impala lowrider. Got the taco balls on it. Got the light bar in the thing. Got the ooh, ooh, Donna, Donna on the written on the back. 
you know, and it's got like the tuck and roll, the sweet tuck and roll with the dice hanging down. It doesn't get any better than that. Just give me one of those on a Saturday night and roll me up to Taco Bell and I'm great. You know what I'm saying? I'm just, uh, you know, or a five guys and I'm in heaven. You know, or a 1957 Chevy jacked up on the end where he's just like when he revs it up, it blows the doors off the windows around him. You know what I'm saying? God uses vehicles like that to speak to me a lot. He uses colors a lot. For me, yellow means a gift. Orange means there's danger. Watch out. No, no problem, Bill. Uh, this is not applying to you. Sorry. <laughs> Bill's not trouble waiting to happen. I'm sorry. <laughs> but that's the way God... And there are some themes... People that work with dreams, there's some things that are very, like horses a lot of times will mean eras, an era of time. So that, so that dream and that dream is symbols, pictures, themes. But the, but the, the last thing I want to say here to wrap it up is what is the impact of a dream on a person that has the dream? What's the impact? If we go back to 1 Corinthians 4, 13, 14, 3, 24, and 25, the impact excuse me, should be a person, should be strengthened, encouraged, and comforted. The end result should be God is recognized and glorified and held up. And you should be feel closer to God as a result of finding out what God was communicating to you. That's what the voice of God does. You know, I heard about this, just a total side note. I heard, uh, there's a wildebeest I'm talking about here. So, you know, wildebeest in Africa. I've heard that when a mother is, is delivering the baby, first thing that happens when the baby comes out is the mom emits a sound. And immediately, the voice of the mom is bonded with the child. And that baby could be out in a thousand wildebeest, and that mom says that sound, does that sound, and that baby knows that's my mom. It's the same way with God. God, when God speaks to you, it's to bond you with himself. A part of it is to bond you with himself, and that's what happens in this stuff. Um, so look. Uh, so when you uh, it, when you look at what happened to uh, Nebuchadnezzar, he said in verse uh, what is that? Verse forty six. King Nebuchadnezzar fell prostrate before Daniel and paid him honor, and ordered that an offering and incense be presented to him. The king said to Daniel, Surely God is the God of gods, the Lord of kings, and a re- revealer of mysteries. For you, were able to reveal, for you were able to reveal this mystery. Here's a non-Jewish king that does not subscribe to the Jewish religion, and he does not subscribe to the true God. And he just rounded all those guys up, the Jews, and put them in his land, and they're enslaved by him. Daniel volunteers to, uh, to interpret the dream to save everybody's life. And once, and once, and by the way, did you notice that the king didn't even tell him what the dream was? God showed Daniel what the dream was, working like a true prophet. And then he told him the interpretation. What was the result? King Nebuchadnezzar humbled himself before God. And then he said, surely your God is the true God. He acknowledged God. And then the last thing that he did was um, and he acknowledged that God did it, and then he blessed Daniel and his friends. We all know that the fruit of when God does something in your life is you want to help other people. If you got a person that's going around continuing, say, I got a dream, the guy interprets a dream. I got another dream, interprets a dream. I got another dream, interprets a dream. The guy just have a lifestyle of dreams and interpreting dreams, but the fruit never flows out 
to help other people, to touch other people, where your heart is broken for other people, then there's something wrong there. There's something wrong there. When God touches our life, the fruit of that should be we want to bless and honor other people. That's hard for some of us. That was hard for me. But that's how you can tell that dream is from God, is the end fruit. And that's what happened to, uh, to Daniel. To wrap it up, to wrap it up, God uses dreams to communicate to us, just like a good artist paints a good picture, and a picture impacts us very strongly. Some of us dream a little bit. Some of us dream a lot more. Some of us have light dreams. Some of us have heavy dreams. It doesn't matter. It doesn't make somebody more spiritual. Oh, okay, now I just found out that to be more spiritual, I need some heavy-duty dreams. Come on, drop God, drop one in on me. You know, no, it's not like that at all. It's all about God wanting to communicate with you. And he does it the way he wants you. So you, you can have not a dream in six years, and all of a sudden God give you two or three. It just means you need it then. It doesn't make you less spiritual because you don't have dreams. And your dreams, test, test them, please. Test interpretations of your dreams. Are they encouraging you? Are they comforting you? Are they strengthening you? If that's the case, and are they causing you to want to help more people in Jesus' name? That's the fruit that we want to look for. And just be open. Say, God, sometimes I just need for you to, maybe you can give me a dream to kind of let me know what's going on. So, um, so that's the principles in Daniel 2 of how the purpose and the function of dreams and uh, I want to say a little prayer for everybody now because this is the end here. So I'm going to say a prayer. And I want to let you guys know, since God has helped me a lot, Ben does, does this stuff too. Um, and and the, probably some of the staff does too. Or, uh, afterwards, I'll just be hanging out here. If you, want, if you had a dream you want to test, let's put it to practice. Come and test me out. Test God out. If you had a dream you want to find out what it means, come over and talk to me. And we'll see if we can figure it out. I think the prayer cave will be open if you need some prayer. If you'd like just a little word of encouragement, come over and see me. But um, So let me say a prayer, and I guess we have some worship to go after that. Father, I want to thank you for this time. I want to thank you, Lord, for how you love to communicate with us. Lord, I ask that you uh, bring as the artist, the true artist, bring in, in, in v- bright, vivid communication styles. Speak to us, Lord, in our hearts. And build us up and comfort us, encourage us in our time of need through dreams, Lord. And I pray, Lord, also protect us from things that just are from the enemy. I want to thank you for this time, Father. And I want to bless you for uh, for giving us this gift of giving us dreams. In Jesus' name, amen.